It's days after the storm. In Westport, Connecticut, the power is still out. Residents swarm outside town hall to charge their phones and get internet access. It's a third world situation. It's not a first world situation. Connecticut suffered massive power outages after tropical storm Isaias. It took more than a week to restore power to much of the state, particularly in the areas serviced by the state's largest utility company, Eversource. I'm Ebon Udama, WSHU senior political reporter. I try to make sense of local and national policy by talking to the people who were directly involved. Next, on Capitol Avenue, we look at Connecticut's relationship with its power companies. Olaf Hazen has lived in Westport for 12 years. He says he can't take losing power anymore. We really need to get a solution for these uh, power lines that are all above ground instead of underground. This should have been done 100 years ago. It's an investment that someone needs to make. Lawmakers say they are outraged by big power's poor response, even after the state spent millions on infrastructure improvements over the last decade. Now they'll go into a special legislative session to consider how to hold the utility companies accountable. We cannot have every five years or every time when, it, when the wind blows or there's a little bit of rain for an entire town to be uh, affected by this and uh, businesses closed, uh, people can't do any work. It's just not workable. A few years before Hazen moved to Westport, Connecticut joined a national trend in the 1990s and deregulated its electricity industry. It meant decoupling electricity generation from distribution. The state's largest utilities, Eversource and United Illuminating, sold off their generation plants, which allowed independent generation companies into the market. The thinking was that a competitive generation market would bring down electricity rates. Norman Needleman is Senate Chair of the Energy and Technology Committee. He says that's not what happened. Maybe we have to go back to the whole idea of deregulation. You know, I, I go back to the 1980s because I'm certainly at least that old and ask myself the Reagan question. Are you better off today than you were four years ago? Are the ratepayers of Connecticut better off today than they were 20 years ago when deregulation happened? And I will tell you whether it's individuals or businesses, I have not met one person who says, yeah, it's been great, unless you're in the energy business. Then maybe it's been great. Some elected officials, including Lieutenant Governor Susan Beisowitz, are upset that executive compensation at the large utilities have dramatically increased since deregulation. It is just incredible to me that the CEO of Eversource made $19.8 million last year, and our residents, it looked like 500,000 of them are going to be more than a week without power. The head of the company that eventually became Eversource made $3.5 million in 2000. The head of United Illuminating made $1.3 million in 2006. Last year, the UI CEO made $2.5 million. To power companies, the increased compensation was based on good performance standards. Connecticut was hit back-to-back with two once-in-a-century weather events in the past decade. After Hurricane Irene and Superstorm Sandy, the state spent millions to improve infrastructure. Cutting trees, moving cables underground, 
reinforcing utility poles. The state's Public Utility Regulatory Authority granted the power companies rate hikes to cover some of the cost. Bonuses were paid to executives for fewer outages in the years after. Penny Connor heads customer care at Eversource. There is no doubt that the regular timing of the July 1st rate adjustment in the middle of COVID-19 pandemic came at the worst possible time for customers. That means in the middle of a pandemic, customers were isolated at home without power and their bills went up. That was not our intent. We realize now that in these difficult times, we should have done more to ensure our customers and constituents were aware of the upcoming changes in rates. Energy bills often increase in the summer. However, Due to COVID-19, customers are staying at home with active lifestyles that have contributed to their usage increase, as compared to last year. The solution for lawmakers is a mixed bag. Needleman, who heads the Energy Committee, wants ratepayer advocates to serve on the corporate boards of the utilities. And he's optimistic the new head of Pura will take them to task. She is here and taking a fresh look at everything we do, how we make rates, how the grid works, how we compensate the utilities. All of that is really important. And when you have people that are new that put fresh eyes on this, I'm hopeful that we're going to get something good. Governor Ned Lamont wants rate hikes to be based on meeting performance benchmarks. You don't try and micromanage in terms of operations, but set out goals that you want the performance metrics to achieve, and then let Pura institute that. U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal says the large utilities need to be broken up. We need to do better. The people of Connecticut deserve better. And those options that Pura should, uh, should consider again a breakup of Eversource into a smaller Connecticut-focused utility, establish a truly public utility owned and operated solely for the benefit of Connecticut ratepayers. One model might actually be the municipally owned utilities that I've cited and enact a form of performance-based model without any guaranteed rate of return. When we come back, Blumenthal takes us to a local utility that he's holding up as a model in considering the interest of ratepayers and the bottom line. Norwich Public Utilities restored power within a couple of days with the same kind of damage to its lines and their rates are 24% lower than Eversource. That kind of performance could be replicated by a bigger company like Eversource if it cared more about its customers than its shareholders. My name is Charles Lane. I'm a reporter here at WSHU. Last summer, I started looking into the closing of a rundown motel in the Hamptons on Long Island. And the deeper I dug, the more disturbing it became. What I found was a secret campaign to rid the Hamptons of the places where Latino immigrants lived. This campaign stretched from a small civic group through Southampton town government and all the way to the White House. The story is called Every Town, and you can listen by searching your podcast app for Every Town, or you can click the link in the show notes to this podcast.
U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal says ratepayers in some Connecticut towns have enjoyed low utility rates and fewer power outages for decades. That's because a hundred years ago, these communities created their own independent power source, and it stayed that way. Alexis John is a lifelong resident of Norwich. She had never experienced a power outage before Issa Ayers. I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to. And that's good for business, too. She owns a busy beauty salon in downtown Norwich. I think that nobody should have to worry about not having power. You can't cook. I mean, you could cook, but you can't cook. <laughs> you can eat a sandwich. You can't work. You can't. Can you shower? You need hot water. You need hot water. Do you hate us? <laughs> well, we don't hate you. We envy you. <laughs> Anne-Marie Lafayette is also a lifelong resident. She remembers when the lights went out 35 years ago during Hurricane Gloria, which at the time caused record-breaking power outages across the state. I think we were out three days and other places were out a lot longer. But there were worse storms more recently, like Irene in 2010 and Superstorm Sandy in 2012, and Isaias this year. Many people described Norwich as an oasis. People were coming to Norwich for, for gas and for commodities because we were up and running so quick. Chris LaRose is the manager of Norwich Public Utilities. Norwich is among a handful of communities that made crucial power decisions a century ago. The city got a charter from the state to run its own public utility company. Norwich built a hydroelectric dam on the Chautauquet River that flows through the center of town. Chris Riley stands by the spillway of the dam. There are machinery in here that go back to the early 1900s that have to be operated by hand. He says the equipment is so old, it's tough work for NPU's engineers. It's not easy, but they always say it's some of the most challenging and rewarding work that they do during the course of the year because it's such a beautiful place and you're, it's like working in a museum. This dam supplied power to Norwich, first for streetlights, then later for homes and businesses. This used to supply all of the city's power. Today, it's only 5%. Most of the power for its 40,000 customers now comes from commercial generators. We buy our power in, uh, through a cooperative with the other municipal entities, so we have lower, uh, we're able to get it more cheaply. Plus, our costs are much lower because we only have 146 employees uh, our rates are lower. And there are other advantages besides fewer outages and lower utility rates. Riley says NPU returns 10% of its gross revenue to the city of Norwich. Over 10 years, that's amounted to $80 million to the city of Norwich. There have been, I believe in the 70s, uh, one instance where it was discussed selling to uh, the Connecticut Light and Power way back then, but there just wasn't a public outcry for it. That's a sentiment shared by customer Anne-Marie Lafayette. I do feel fortunate that we have our own locally owned utility. I also own some property in Groton, and again, it's a municipally owned utility there. And the same thing, power doesn't stay out that long. Unfortunately, that cannot be said for most of Connecticut. As it turned out, the storm was much more impactful and widespread than anybody expected. Eversol CEO Jim Judge was on the defensive at a public hearing following Isaias. He says Eversource could have communicated better around power outages, but grid reliability has improved dramatically in recent years with fewer outages. If you go back to 2011, uh, the uh, months between interruptions was 12.8. In 2019, it was 
That was 65% improvement. He did apologize to customers who suffered prolonged outages, but Judge maintains the utility took all reasonable steps to prepare for the storm. Nobody, nobody that I'm aware of predicted that Connecticut would see a storm with impacts significantly bigger than Superstorm Sandy or Irene. Lawmakers say that Eversource, the state's largest utility, should have known. Lawmakers expect to pass new laws during a special legislative session this month. If you ask Senate Democrats, ratepayers need to be on the corporate boards of power companies to hold them accountable to customers. If you ask Governor Lamont, they need to be real benchmarks for performance before any rate hikes or executives get bonuses. If you ask Senator Blumenthal, utilities should be broken up and owned by the public. This is Capital Avenue from WSHU Public Radio, making sense of local and national policy by talking to the people who are directly involved. Spread the word by rating us on your podcasting app. If you're listening on NPR One, press the interesting button in the top right corner. This episode of Capital Avenue was produced by J.D. Allen, edited by Ann Lopez. WSHU's web editor is Dave Eisenstatter. Terry Sheridan is WSHU News Director, and Tom Kuzer is WSHU Program Director. I'm Ebong Udama. Thanks for listening. Until next time.